0: Good morning, how are y'all? Thank you so much for your sweet um, birthday messages, Facebook messages and texts and everything. Um, it really meant a lot to me. I, I was uh, really blessed by that. To be honest, it wasn't my happiest birthday. No surprise there. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, my husband passed away seven months ago today, And uh, so it was my first birthday without him, and he really did spoil me rotten on my birthday. He really, he was a good birthday husband. So um, I was also up at a camp where um, we have been going for 28 years, and um, it was a really significant place. And so it was at a pastor's conference, and so it was... I I don't even have words anymore. It's like I've overused excruciating or agonizing or brutal or whatever. So I'm not, I'm not complaining. Uh, I I always say I'm not complaining. I'm just stating a fact, but um, it was, it was uh, rough. And um, so I just want to thank you guys so much for your prayers because I really know, uh, especially the first night when i was there i really i could i could legitimately feel that people were praying for me and uh, so i just want to remind you again even though it's been 7 months it's still very fresh for myself and my family so if you would pray for my kids and their spouses and for me um it's just the reality of it and that's where we are as a church right now um it's you know, I'd like to be able to say something else, but I can't pretend. I'm not a good pretender. So I just have to be honest with, with where I am right now and, and where we currently are. And so, on the other hand, um, the Lord was so gracious to speak His words of affirmation and hope. Hope is the only thing that I'm clinging to right now. And um, I think you all know that, that, you know, we're not alone even when we feel like we're alone. And my fellowship with the Lord was really, really sweet. And I'm really excited about this particular passage because I think that this encapsulates so much of what the Holy Spirit wants to work into our hearts right now. This is one of my favorite subjects, my favorite topics. Excuse me. I'm calling this message Bodybuilding for Life. And as you know, in the Bible, the church capital C, church, is called the body of Christ. Jesus is the head, and we, the church, are the body. And so this particular passage talks about how the body is built up. So it's not, I'm not going to talk a whole lot about, you know, should we use steroids or not, or, you know, like how many reps and how many sets and should you do CrossFit. I'm not going to go into any of that, um, but I am going to talk about the body of Christ and how it functions best and how it functions the most effectively. One of my favorite things to do is take spiritual principles and make them normal. To take supernatural things and to make them Palatable to make them easily understood, so that 's what I'm hoping for today. So would you pray with me and for me as we delve into this awesome passage? Well, Father, I just uh, I thank you for your word, I thank you that that it is true, Lord, I thank you that um, it is your desire to enlighten us to your truth, God, that you want the eyes of our hearts to be opened, Lord, you want us to be able to understand what you've written written and what you've penned for us so that we can know you more intimately. So Father, we just invite you to speak your word today in the name of Jesus. Amen. I just want to say hi to the American Fork campus. We have another campus that meets down in Utah County, American Fork campus, and they're An amazing group of people. So, if you if you live in that area or you know people in that area, there's the adventure in American Fork. So, um, this morning I'm going to talk to you about how to get your GED in bodybuilding, Um, not your PhD, but your GED. And that's um, the three things that I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about gifts for God's people, equipping for God's people, and deception protection for God's people. And those are the topics we're going to cover this morning. Um, We're going to be starting in, if you have your Bible with you, and I hope you do in one form or the other, um, we're going to start talking about gifts for God's people. Um, In Ephesians 4, 7, it says, wait, it says, with himself. Number one, receiving a gift for each one of us. It says, however, he has given to just some of the really special ones a gift. Right? Right? That's what it says? Who's still awake? What does it say? He has given to each one of us each one of you and me. He's given gifts, special gifts through the generosity of Christ. How many of you have ever gotten a gift and the first thing you did when you opened it up was you're like, I'm taking this thing back. Anybody? Right? Don't admit that if your spouse is sitting next to you. But, but legitimately like if you get a gift from someone and you just know that like that person doesn't really know you very well because they give you something like in a color that makes you look like a corpse or you know something like that or they give you something that just is like I would never use this in a million years not to sound like an ingrate I mean I'm not trying to say that but But the Lord, the one who created us, the one of whom it says is intimately acquainted with all of our ways, the one who knows a word even before we speak it, the one who knows our thoughts from afar, the one who is the lover of our soul, he knows how to give good gifts, amen? He knows how to give gifts that we're not going to take back. You don't need a receipt because it's perfect. The gifts that he give are perfect. Because he knows us. He knows what we need. He knows how he created us. He knows our purpose. He knows our past, present, and future. So of all people, to give gifts, he's the one that can give a special, special gift. Not a gift that you want to take back or a gift that you know you're going to re-gift. Admit it. You do it. Don't you? You won't admit it anyway. (laughs) Number two, possessing... Possessing a special gift. Verse 8 says, When he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Again, it's saying that if you belong to Christ, if you know the Lord, if you have had him reveal himself to you, if you have received the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offered on the cross so that you could be reconciled with God, so that you could be fully forgiven, which is the gospel, that's the gospel right there. It's no more complicated than that. Recognize that you're a sinner and receive his forgiveness. Now, I marvel at the fact that the gospel is so easy, right? Right? I mean, when I think about my life, when I think about who I was when I came to Christ, I'm in awe. I am in awe. I lived in darkness. But the Bible says that, that people stumble about in the darkness not knowing what makes them stumble. And that was me. And, and Jesus revealed himself to me and he forgave me and that's the forgiveness that he offers for everyone. But the gifts that he give, gives are not just this universal thing. You know how religion tries to make everybody look exactly the same? You notice that? Like in Islam, all the women have burqas. They all look the same, right? I've even heard burqas are one size fits all. Right, Drea? <laughs> I'd make things simple. But anyway, um, everything, everybody looks the same, right? You can see, like you see Quakers, they all look kind of the same. They all dress kind of the same, right? That's what religion does. Religion kind of takes away the beauty of our individuality and tries to put us in this little little box and make us, this is how you, if you're a Christian, this is how you look. This is how you should be, Right? But Jesus does just the opposite. He says, I have a perfect gift, a special gift for each individual. That's so awesome. It's like he, he goes, Peter, I have a gift for you. Nobody else has it. It's a one of a kind, and it's perfect, and I'm going to use it for my own glory, but you're going to get to possess it. That's what he does for each one of us. Jesus has a way of making every one of us feel like we're his favorite. I always say that. I'm his favorite, right? I mean, I know that that's... Okay, the Bible never says that you can't have favorites. It just says don't show favoritism. So, <laughs> But every one of you, you're his favorite. You're his favorite. You're his favorite. You are his favorite. You, you're his favorite. And when he gives gifts to his favorite, do you think he's just going to give you some leftover thing? He's going to give you something unique and beautiful and precious and special and and practical. Think about that. It's practical because it's going to be used for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. It says that we possess a special gift and we need to understand that he's not overlooking anyone, that he has given a special gift to each one and we need to recognize that gift. We need to invite that gift. We need to develop that gift and we need to be anointed with the Holy Spirit. In other words, you can't just use this gift out of your own power. And the last thing is we must be in submission to use that gift to one another, to the body of Christ. So we need to invite, say invite, recognize, develop, anoint, and submit. If you want to be used of God, these are all these things that you can do, that you can recognize your gift, but if you haven't developed it, it isn't going to be used as completely and as fully. It takes Knowledge and practice to use our gifts. But we need to, like they always say in base camp, you need to step out of the boat. If you're not sure what your gift is or who God created you to be or what makes you unique, I just want to encourage you. I'm going to be teaching a class called Blueprint, November 11th and 12th. It's a Friday night and a Saturday. And it's a seminar and it, and it kind of helps to unwrap who you are who God made you to be uniquely and individually. It's a class that actually my husband, Eric, wrote, and I'm going to just steal it because there's nothing he can do about it. So I just encourage you um, to sign up for that class. You kind of walk away with like a life mission statement. You kind of walk away having a, bun- a better understanding of who God created you to be. Um, let's see here. Number three. I went too far in my notes, sorry. It says, filling the entire universe with himself. Ephesians 4.10 says, the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. The Lord wants to be made famous. He wants his name to be made known on the earth. You know where it says that if we deny him before men, he will deny us before the Father? People should never, ever be surprised when you tell them you're a Christian. They should know it. They should say to you, wow, there's something about you that's just different. Not in a, not in a bad way. <laughs> like, you're, you're different. In Minnesota, that's like an insult. <laughs> that's like a really bad insult. Well, that guy's different. That's like, that's a really low blow. <laughs> but you don't want to be different in a, in, in a way that makes you like weird, and I'm going to get into a little more of that later, but you, there should be something about you that is, that is inviting people, drawing people. The Bible says we are the aroma of Christ to those who are perishing and to those who are being saved. To the one, we are the sweet smell of life, but to the other, we are the stench of death. You tell people you believe in Jesus, and boom, it, the line will be divided right there. You will know Who is open to the gospel, who's open to the Lord, and the ones who aren't. It will be very clear. You can talk about God all day long, but as soon as you mention the name of Jesus, boom. That's when it changes. Don't be afraid to mention the name of Jesus. You may be mocked. The Bible says, woe to those of you. But it says that if if you do mention his name and you're persecuted for it, you will be blessed. Crazy, huh? Everything in the Bible is upside down, right? The greatest among you is the servant of all. If you want to save your life, you have to lose it. If you lose your life for his sake, you'll find it. You have to decrease so that he can increase. All these things are opposite. So if you have a really worldly mindset and you think the way the world does, none of this stuff is going to make sense, right? I'm not, I'm not, I hope I don't sound condescending at all. I'm, I'm really not trying to sound condescending. I'm just saying it is so important for us to know him. Nothing else matters. Nothing else. Not the little cookie cutter and if you're a Christian you need to look like this. You need to know him so that you can know yourself. So that the entire universe can be filled with what? With him. He wants his name to be made known in all the earth. Like that song, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We need to be equipped And there is equipping available for God's people. Ephesians 4.11 says, These are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Okay, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So number one, becoming the church. church, Wait, where am I? There we go. Becoming the church Okay, it says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We are the gifts. People are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. He gave us people in whom He placed spiritual gifts, and they are spiritual, they're not natural. It's not like a natural talent. Even though sometimes your spiritual gifts can, can align with natural talents, but they are things that when it happens, when, when you do something, you know it was God. You know that you could never have done that on your own. And I could stand up here all day long and tell you story after story after story where I saw God go before me and do things that I never could have done on my own, that it was a spiritual thing. And it talks about the, the different gifts that Christ gave the church, the apostles, which are kind of like maybe uh, I'd say like church planters or missionaries or people who go into different cultures and are not afraid to start something or to to shine bright for the Lord. And then there are prophets. Prophets are the ones who, who have a deeper revelation into truth. Sometimes they can predict the future, but it's not Just so you know, like psychics and tarot cards and fortune tellers and all of that, that is clearly denounced in the Bible, just so you know. So if you go to a psychic, I mean, just know that you're entering into a demonic realm. Also, uh, speaking to the dead. You know, I've heard a lot of times um, people say, oh, yeah, my my grandma came back and she sat on the, my dead grandma came back and sat on the end of my bed and she started talking. Do not believe that that is a person coming back. That is a demonic manifestation. Be warned. You know, the Bible says Satan prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking to devour. He wants to devour us. He wants to He wants to mess with us. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more, some of the ways that we can be deceived. But prophets are the ones who have a deeper truth or or they're, they're the mouthpiece for truth, for God. Then there are evangelists. Those are the people who share the good news of Jesus Christ in whatever form. Evangelist really means bearer of good news, one who brings good news. The good news of the gospel is, again, You're a sinner. You're going to hell. Except Jesus Christ died on the cross, so you don't have to. If you receive his forgiveness, he will make you born again. That's where that term comes from, born again. John chapter three says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again of the spirit. It's talking about the Holy Spirit, being born of God's spirit. So the evangelists are the ones who share that. Then there are pastors. These are like the shepherds, or the one definition is a herder. Which I found interesting, but the pastors are the kind of the caregivers, kind of the ones who, who take care of, of the sheep. You know, the Bible says that we are like sheep. All we, all we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone to his own way. Um, and then there are teachers, and teachers are like instructors. Some people like to couple pastor teacher together, but I really think that there's a distinction because I think. I've known teachers that were not great pastors, and I've known pastors that were not great teachers. So a lot of times those gifts can be combined, but not necessarily all the time, okay? And so in this, I just want to say, you know, there, there is no such thing. It's an oxymoron to say that someone is a Lone Ranger Christian, because if you're not integrated into the body and know who you are and serve other people and use your gifts for his glory, there's a good chance that maybe you don't actually know him. And I will get into that more also as we move on. Equipping God's people. Ephesians 4.12 says, these, you know, the um, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Their responsibility is to do all of the work and to burn themselves out and so that the church can continue to function, right? That's what it says, right? That's the New Living Translation. What does it say? Their responsibility is to do what? To what? Equip whom? To equip God's people. To do his work. And to do what else? build up the church, the body of Christ. That is what the job of the pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles, prophets is to do, is to equip the saints, to equip you to do the works of the ministry, not to do everything. The words busy pastor should sound as ugly to your ears as adulterous husband or adulterous wife. It should sound that wrong. You know, I mean, there's the, there's the reputation. Oh, pastors are so busy. Well, yeah, we should all be busy about the kingdom, right? All of us. I shouldn't be any busier than you serving the Lord. Right? You guys are so quiet. <laughs> Thanks, Ruby. <laughs> we need to grow mature in the Lord, and the way that we do that... Ephesians 4.13. It says this will continue. What will continue? What will continue? People will be equipped and, and the body of Christ will be built up. As every member, every single person, not just the pastors, not just the ones that come up on stage, not just the worship team, not just the youth pastor and the youth leaders or workers or whatever, or not just every single Member, That's one of my missions and my goals for this church. Is that every single person would discover who they were created to be and they would operate in that so that they can be fully satisfied and fully, completely released. I'll tell you, walking away from the Lord, I I was talking to a young man before first service and he was talking about he had a period of about five years where he just stopped serving the Lord, stopped going to church, stopped doing anything. He said it was the most miserable 5 years of his life. He said he was so completely unfulfilled. He felt purposeless, directionless. Nothing in the earth, nothing on the world satisfied him. And he said and then when he came back it was like immediately he was he was restored to a right relationship with the Lord. It wasn't like this arduous process that he had to go through. He just he just embraced what God had for him. And he was talking about, you know, I was kind of telling him how rough the last three days have been. And I was saying, you know, after my husband died, the, the Lord became my everything. I mean, the Lord was my everything, but I had a renewed sense of how desperate I was for him because the Bible says he is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit and it became so blaringly obvious to me that I had nowhere else to go he has the words of eternal life you know, I mean without the Lord I don't know what I would be doing I don't even want to think about it (laughs) perish the thought (laughs) Um, but we need to grow mature in the Lord. It says this will continue until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Talking about unity, what do you think is one of, one of the enemy, Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call him, what is one of his absolute most favorite tools in his toolbox? Against the body of Christ. Division. Division. He will use whatever means he can to get us divided. He'll use judgmentalism. He'll use offense. He'll use bitterness. He'll use, um, what are some other things? Help me out here. Self-righteousness. Deception. What else? Jealousy. Envy. Shame. Shame. All these things, he wants to carve us apart from one another. You know, I, I talked about the, the packs of wolves and how they'll go to a herd of animals and they'll go to the one that's infirmed or old or sick or whatever and they'll carve them out from the rest of the pack. And the same thing with sheep. They'll go to the one sheep that can't run as fast as the rest or whatever and they'll attack. And that's what the enemy wants to do to you, to us. He wants to divide us and he wants to separate you from everyone else so that he can devour you, so he can destroy your life. It says, Jesus himself said of Satan, he's come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so if he can get you separate from the pack, that's, he's going to go for it. He will capitalize on that. And it says, but we will come to such a unity in our faith if we're all doing what we were created to do and the body of Christ is built up. That is when you will be protected from deception. When we are so unified that our faith and our knowledge of God's son is mature, measuring to the full and complete standard of God. This is the thing that will protect us from deception. Because we are easily deceived, are we not? Right? I mean, don't you wake up every morning and you kind of, you know, you have that choice to make. What kind of what kind of Christian you're going to be? Are you going to be a doubting grumpy Christian or are you going to be a grateful Christian? I'll tell you the last 7 months it's been a challenge for me to wake up and be a happy Christian. Some days I wake up really 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 overwhelmed and sad. You know? It's just the truth. I really do have to make a choice and there are some days where I make the wrong choice. And I'm grumpy. And I'm unbearable. Right, guys? They live with me. They know. (laughs) I'm always like that? Oh. (laughs) Only half the time. (laughs) Ephesians 4. It says, then... When? When? When what happens? What did I just... When every member's working and we're unified and we're mature, living up to the full measure of the standard of Christ, then... We will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work and it helps the other parts grow so the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love how many of you remember uh, a guy named Robert Tilton anybody? I can say his name because he's a heretic he, and I'm not being judgmental you know the Bible warns us it says there are going to be false teachers who are going to come in and try to deceive us This guy was really into the, it was back in, I don't know, probably in the 90s, and he was like a name it, claim it, blab it, grab it kind of a guy, and he would, he had a TV show, and he would, you know, he would just tell people these things, he would use scripture, he would pick them out of context, and say them so that it sounded like the truth, And it was all about how, you know, if you plant a seed, then you'll get a harvest of a hundredfold. You know, if you send in a hundred dollars, you'll get back, you know. And I always thought, well, why doesn't he just give someone else a hundred dollars and then he'll get back a hundredfold. But anyway, um, but it says that we are supposed to be no longer immature like children. You know, children are super gullible, are they not? You can tell a child the most weird, bizarre thing and they will totally believe it, right? I mean, they believe in like, like the Wiggles. Like they think they're real. Or you know, you take, you take your little girl to Disneyland and ah, the princess, right? She believes that that woman there in that costume is a princess. She really believes it. It's a reality to her. But that's, that's an immaturity. And the Bible says that we should no longer be immature. We shouldn't believe stuff that's not true. So how do you know if stuff's true or not? How do you know? If you know God's word, that's one thing, but what else? Being involved with other believers Remember, there's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. We need each other. We need each other. It says we won't be tossed about and blown by every wind of new teaching. I mean, I've been a Christian for 30 years, and I'll tell you, I've seen a lot of really weird stuff come down the pike. Really bizarre stuff. I don't want to go into it because I don't want anybody to feel badly if they got involved. I mean, I was involved in some of it for a while, too. I mean, I was so... Because I was so immature in the Lord, I was hyper, hyper spiritual, you know? And I mean, I, I would pray about what clothes to wear for the day, you know? And I would pray about, well, which gas station should I go to, Lord? And, you know, I mean, I just was weird. I was just immature. Right, Pete? Yeah. Pete knows. <laughs> like, I'd go, you know, to the grocery store and pray, Which head of lettuce should I purchase, Lord? You know, and I mean, I was being discipled by people to do that. Like, they really told me that, yes, oh, you should pray about every single decision you make. No offense, but I don't know that God necessarily cares if you get the romaine or the butter leaf or whatever. I don't know that God cares that much. I mean, yes, of course, he's intimately acquainted with all our ways. But I think that there's a a point at which it's just weird. And I think God's like, oh, that's weird. She's asking me which head of lettuce. It's like any of them. I don't care. Just just eat lettuce, you know? <laughs> it's good for you. <laughs> it says, you know, we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. And we won't be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. You know, more knowledge of the Bible doesn't necessarily equal maturity in the Lord, There's a lot of people that know a lot of scripture, they know a lot about the Bible, but I wouldn't call them mature in the Lord. Do you know why? Because 1 Corinthians says, you know, even if you have all knowledge and all wisdom, but if you don't have love, you are nothing. You are nothing if you aren't loving. Right? There's a lot of people that are biblical scholars, but they aren't loving. So they've missed Christianity 101, love one another. Right? Right? And that's the protection that we can have by being together and learning to love one another. Because you can't love people from a distance. I mean, you can have an affection for them or whatever, but true love, really, true love. I just keep thinking of the Princess (laughs) Bride. Sorry, I'm random. But So you think about really loving someone means you go through stuff with them. You know, some of my very most best friends in the entire universe are people I've been through some hard things with. You know, had to forgive each other. We've offended each other. Broken each other's hearts. Not on purpose, but just because we're committed to each other. I mean, it's just the reality of it. Walking with other Christians can be difficult sometimes because people are imperfect because we're all humans but there's a safety that comes through being together it talks about this speaking the truth in love you know being committed to people so much so that you'll go to them when it's uncomfortable that you will tell them the truth even when it's not easy to tell them and the thing is, I think a lot of people kind of get this out of balance, either one way or the other. You know, you, you know that picture of the scale? It's like one or the other. You know, speaking the truth in love. Trying to find that balance. Because speaking the truth, you can speak the truth to somebody and not be loving. Again, just like I just mentioned in First Corinthians 13, you can tell someone the truth. But if they don't know that you're for them and that you love them, all it's going to do is hurt them. Yeah. Or you can be so loving that you don't even say anything to that person even though they're walking off the edge of the cliff. You're like, oh, I love you so much. Have a nice trip. <laughs> is that really loving? No. But sometimes we're, we're so sometimes We're so weak. We're so scared. We're scared of being rejected or we're sometimes even scared of being wrong. But there is a a godly and a right way to speak the truth to people that will build them up and will actually make them love you more and they will trust you more because they know that you're not messing around and that you're not playing games, that you're really being real with them and you're being honest with them. My dear friend K'ule Lee, she's one of the the best people when it comes to graciously speaking the truth in love. Because you walk away and you, you feel so warm and fuzzy and then you're like, whoa, she totally just ripped me a new one. <laughs> Sorry to use that phrase. But you know what I'm saying? You know people like that, right? They're so gracious and they're so they they tell you the truth. But you don't you know maybe it's hard to hear it, but you walk away and you know that you're loved. That's speaking the truth in love. So that you love that person enough to tell them what's true. To tell them that, you know, you're believing some stuff that's really not biblical. Or you're believing some stuff that's like, these are lies that sound like the truth. There's a safety in walking with other believers and being truly involved in their lives. We need to balance truth with love, right? One without the other is imbalanced. And this is my saying, be nice, but be honest. Be honest, but be nice. Can you say that with me? Be nice, but be honest. Be honest, but be nice. That's speaking the truth in love. You're honest, you're telling them the truth, but you're doing it in a way, in a language that they can accept and they can receive it. We need to help the body of Christ become healthy. Every single member is important. Every single person. You know, uh, I remember one, one year I had to have a bunionectomy. I love saying that. It's a foot surgery, it's not anything else. Um, but I had this bunionectomy and I needed to be on painkillers but I'm kind of an addict and so I was scared of them. So I have a friend of mine who's a nurse. She called me. She said, are you taking your pain medication? I said, well, no, because I'm kind of, I I get the euphoria, you know. I get the good effect from the painkillers, and I just, I don't want to risk it. And she goes, no, you need to understand this. And I have confirmation. Pete Kligman is, what are you? He's a chemist, a biochemist, right? Okay. Okay, Okay, he's a chemist. Anyway. um, um, But... For example, if you take a drug test, if you have legitimate pain, those painkillers won't even show up on a drug test because they're actually fighting the pain so that your body can promote healing. Now, I am not in any way endorsing the use of pain medication recreationally, okay? Because it's dangerous and scary and a lot of people die from that. But I'm saying that when, when your body is hurt, everything else will overcompensate in order to bring healing to that one specific area. Let's say, for example, you break your arm. The rest of the body suffers when that arm isn't functioning, right? And even, I talked about 1 Corinthians 12, you know, where every single member of the body, we all need each other. You know, it says that not everybody is an eye, or not everyone is an ear, You know, that the eye can't say to the ear, I don't need you, and the hand can't say to the foot. I mean, and if there is like a hand, just a hand laying there, how effective is that hand going to be? Or how many of you have just a bunch of feet laying around in your closet and you're just like, ooh, that's gross? Like, what do they do? You have a bunch of just chopped off feet, they're worthless. The feet need the legs and the legs need the body and the hips and the, you know, all the parts of the body are working together and the body will fight to overcompensate for the pain or for the the infirmity or whatever, but that's not healthy. That's not the way it's supposed to be. It says that he makes a whole body fit together as each part does its what? Each part does its own special work. That's that special gift I was talking about, that only you can do. You know, it's, it's so elemental, but there's only one of you. So be you and do it for the glory of God. That's the mission of this church is to love God and to love people, to grow your own life, to impact your world, and to live your dream. That's our sole mission for living here for moving here, is to, is to preach the gospel and to make disciples. People that are completely released in who they were created to be. That's our sole mission, is to see you become everything that God created you to be. It says, as each part does its own special work, it helps whom? Who? The other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Period that 's the goal that's building up the body of Christ is that each one knows who they are and they are serving and i'm standing here i, I am I am actually praying for a grace filter before I say this it 's not coming <laughs> I never want to offend, but I do. I want to be nice, but I want to be honest. I want to be honest, but I want to be nice. If you just come to church and you call yourself a Christian, but you never serve anyone else, you really need to go back to the basics and, and ask, am I really a Christian? Because real Christians serve each other. Real Christians lay down their lives for their friends. Real Christians are generous So again, I'm saying this not for my sake, I'm saying this for your sake. Don't just assume because you went forward once and prayed some prayer that you're safe. You know, the Bible says that broad is the road and wide the gate that leads to destruction and many will enter through it, but small is the road and narrow the gate that leads to life and few will find it. I want to be one of the few, don't you? Don't you want to be one of the few? We're going to pray at the end, but there's a little order of business I I need to address with you first, and and it it kind of relates to what this message is. It's about, you know, giving ourselves up um, for one another. You know, um, we meet in this building, we've been in this building since 2003, and it's come to the point now where we either need to buy this place or we need to move somewhere else and um, and it takes money to do that and I'm not going to you know sit there and beat you up and all of that, but I am just appealing to you to say that one way or the other we have we have a building fund that is going to serve to either purchase this place, and it is possible. I can't afford it myself. Okay, my job is to equip the saints to do the works. Um, I'm willing to give sacrificially, and um, I know that the Lord is going to do something miraculous, and I'm just going to be super vulnerable with you right now. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to meet with the couple that owns this building on Thursday. Um, They've already said no, they don't want to sell this building. But I cannot pray any other direction. I just believe this is supposed to be our building. And I'm open to whatever God wants to do, and he's certainly able to speak anything. But... I would just like to ask that you guys would pray for me that I would ha- have the heart of God when I go talk to him. You know, the Bible says that the the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and he directs it like a watercourse. You know that the Lord knows our future. He knows where he wants us. If it's not supposed to be here then then God's going to make that evident. But I am asking you guys to to partner with me and to partner with with the Adventure Church and And, you know, pray about if you should give sacrificially to the building fund. Not because of the building, but because we only came out here to reach people for Jesus, period. That is the only reason that our church planning team and Eric and and I moved out here was to go and make disciples, to go preach the gospel and make disciples. And how many of you know someone who needs Jesus? Anybody? You should all have your hands up. Everybody here, if you ever, unless you never leave your house, some of you don't even have to leave your house and you know somebody that needs Jesus. <laughs> but we all know somebody that needs the Lord. And when I first moved here, when we first moved here in our neighborhood, it looked like, it looked like the Stepford Wives. I mean, it was so perfect, the perfectly manicured yards and these beautiful homes and everything. And we were kind of like, how do you reach these people? It seems like they don't even need the Lord at all. But then you start finding out what's going on inside of their homes, the abuse and the alcoholism and the suicide and all kinds of traumatic, horrible things. This is a mission field, you guys, and Jesus wants to release our gifts so that we can reach this place. He wants to totally release us and he wants to expand his kingdom through us, not just through me through all of us, through each member working, each member giving and contributing and making this place your home. And I just, I know that God has so much more for us. I know that he wants to just blow our doors off. He wants to amaze us with his faithfulness. So can you guys pray with me? And I will pray for you as well. Father, we just come before you, Lord. We humble our hearts. lord we don't know what our future holds but we trust you lord we trust in your mercy we trust in your goodness we trust in your grace god i thank you for these people this morning lord i thank you that you are doing a new thing Lord, that you are raising up an army. Lord, that you are raising up the body of Christ. That you are releasing people into their gifts and their callings. Lord, that you desire to see people fulfilled and satisfied in you, Lord. God, and you know that we need a home. We need a place. Lord, and and so we ask you again to go before us and do the miraculous, Lord. We we believe that you know our future and God, you know what you want to do for each one of our lives. Lord, I pray for those who are confused or they don't know what their gifts are or who they were called to be. Lord, I do ask that you would begin to reveal it to them. I pray, Lord, for our blueprint class that as the people come there, Spirit of God, that you would reveal to them who you are and who you created them to be. Lord, we welcome you to minister life and truth. Lord, we want to be mature. We don't want to be deceived. Lord, we want to grow into, into the fullness and the complete standard of who you are, Lord, so that you can fill the entire universe with yourself. Use us, Lord. Use us for your glory, God. Set us free from our inhibitions, our fears, our insecurities, our feelings of inadequacy, our comparison to others. Lord, set us free to be fully and completely convinced of who you've created each one of us to be, and we just invite you to do this, Lord, and we invite you to pour out your spirit, pour out your blessings in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you need prayer, can I invite some of our leaders to come forward to pray? If there's anything you need prayer for, even if it seems like a small thing, it's not small to God. I mean, if you're going to ask them to pray about which head of lettuce you should buy, then you might just want to leave. But if you, but I mean it. If If you need prayer, please don't don't hesitate. That's what we're here for. And next week, we're going to continue um, the rest of chapter four on building up the body of Christ. I just want to invite you, I challenge you to bring someone with you, bring a coworker or a friend or a relative or an enemy, somebody, and just um, invite them to come and experience everything that God has for all of us. Amen. All right. I love you guys.